Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, Fellowship Church. Are you excited to be here this morning? I have been anticipating this service all week. I am so pumped. You know, the scripture says, where the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. How many of you feel free in this place? How many of you free to dance, free to praise? Amen. Come on. I want you to raise your hands today and just give God praise.
that there's some people in here that need to know that you have a place at the table. You have a seat at the Father's table in Psalm. It talks about how the Lord makes a feast and the table in the presence of our enemies. And you have a seat there. God has victory for you. He has that in store for you. You are his kid. So we sing this out in confidence in not who we are, but who he is. Let's sing this. Come on, lift your voice and sing. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Lift your voice. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Yeah. 
his promise still stands. Man, how faithful has he been to us? How many storms has he walked uh, with us through? It's amazing when you think about it. How many times he's come through for us? How many times he's blessed us? How, how many times he's put favor on us? How many times he's fixed issues in our finances and fixed issues in our families and healed us? And man, his faithfulness is so great, so incredible. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you want to go through storms with us. And we thank you, Lord God, that you bring us through those storms successful. And Lord, we just come before you now and we just, we just worship you. We just praise you, Lord, for for who you are and and what you've done. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, Lord God, that you sacrificed everything so that we could do life with you and eternity with you. You didn't have to do that, but you did because you love us and you're faithful to us. Bless us, Lord God, like only you can. Help us to always worship you. Lord God, I I ask now that you would just soften our hearts and continue to soften our hearts, Lord God, throughout this service. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him a praise offering. So deserves it. And as you guys head back to your seats, if you'll greet each other, show yourself friendly today at Fellowship. Thank you so much for coming. If you're a guest or a visitor, whether you're in the auditorium or you're watching with us live, thank you for being a part of our services. We understand you could watch a lot of services. There's a lot of them out there, uh, but thank you for being about uh, a, a part of our church family. And so whether you're watching at home or you are in live services, if you would like to register as a guest, get some more information about the church, how you can better get connected here. Super easy. Just take out your smartphone and text the word fellowship to 94,000. And when you do that, you'll get a a link to get some more information about the church and uh, also be invited to a future guest reception that we'll be having here uh, in just a couple of weeks. So thank you so much for being a part of fellowship. If you are visiting in our services today, if you swing back by the information counter, fill out a guest card, you'll get a free specialty drink in our coffee shop. And our coffee shop is good right? It's worth, it's worth that for sure. But that's just a gift from us to you. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Now we're going to continue to worship now the giving of tithes and offerings. I hope you have come prepared to give back to the Lord today with the giving of tithes and offerings. We've worshiped him with song and music. Now we're going to worship him with giving. Now we don't pass plates or buckets here. Uh, there's just really easy ways to, that you can give. Uh, if you are here and you want to give in person, you can do so uh, by dropping your tithe or your offering off in the, uh, in the lobby. There's all kinds of offering boxes out there. But uh, of course, Church Center app's the easiest way to give. And then you can also text tithe or give through the website. Uh, it just depends on what's easiest for you. But thank you so much for partnering, partnering with us here at Fellowship. And let me say a prayer of blessing over you as you give, whether you're here with us or watching live. Lord, we love you and thank you for everything you've done in our life. And we do recognize, as your word says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. So we thank you for all that. And we just ask, Lord, that you continue to bless us. We want to worship you now with a cheerful heart, as your word says. And I pray, Lord, that as we give to you, you would bless, just bless like we've never seen before. And I pray in Jesus' name that everything that would come in would be to your honor and your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So on your right and your left, we have our second through fifth grade students heading in right now. Yes, those are kids' church kids. 
Um, and what they're about to do is come and do a little performance for you because they've been working really, really hard back in kids' church and children's ministry. We have so many goals. We try to make it safe. We try to make them feel well loved and welcomed. But we also want to make sure that they have a lot of fun and they've learned a lot about Jesus. And so recently we've started on an endeavor where we are trying to learn every single book of the Bible. Now there are 66 books. And a lot of them are hard to pronounce and hard to say. So this is no small feat. And these kids in front of you have now learned 49 of the 66 books, which is very impressive. We're so proud of them. We're working so hard. And the truth is they have such a heart for Jesus. And that becomes so evident when we see things like this and learning every single book of the Bible, even though that's a lot of books, and also in their worship as well. These kids worship and praise their little hearts out. And so we wanted to come before you today to show you what we've been working on back there, as well as to just show off a little bit because they're super cute, as you already know. Uh, Also, we couldn't do this without our amazing green team. They make all of this possible. They pour into your kids every single week. Our volunteers are incredible. And so we're going to do our 49 of 66 books. We're going to learn the rest eventually, but this is what we have so far. So we're going to perform that for you today as well as a worship song, because the way we do worship in kids' church is pretty epic. It's a lot of fun, a lot of cardio, um, and we know that it brings a smile to Jesus' face, and we hope it does the same for you as well this morning. So without further ado, here are our second through fifth grade students with the books of the Bible that we have learned so far. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians.
gosh, our kids' church kids are so cute. This is seriously my future fellowship church choir. Our kids' ministry is incredible, and our green team does a fantastic job pouring into our kids from week to week. And if you are interested in sowing into our next generation, we need you. The green team serves our second through fifth graders, and we're specifically looking for some people that feel comfortable with working with kids one-on-one and hanging out in our craft area, or if you just have a heart for kids and serving, we have a place for you. Church family, we hope you're ready for tonight. It's going to be a worship party with our church-wide worship night. The doors open at 545. We start at 6 p.m. sharp. There will not be child care provided for this event, but we can't wait to see you. We have a guest reception coming up next week on November 14th in between services. If you consider yourself a guest or a visitor, sign up for this Continental Breakfast to learn more about Fellowship Church. Meet some staff and get a tour of the building. There are so many ways to get connected, and we want to make sure that you feel welcome and know all of the opportunities. Hey, if you have a heart for serving, come join the tech team. We provide the training that you need to help us usher in the presence of God and to create an atmosphere of worship. Stop by the booth at the west end of the lobby or sign up on the Church Center app. We've got something so special planned for you today, so enjoy the rest of today's service. So they first met in the eighth grade. He was new to the school, but she'd been there all along. And they were sitting in one of those boring school assemblies and he looked down the row and he saw her and he thought to himself, I have got to figure out a way to meet that girl. And so he sat at the table next to her friends in the cafeteria. And when they stood up to throw away their trash, they literally ran into one another. He introduced himself. She thought his name sounded cute. So their friends started making up reasons for them to talk. She showed up at his basketball game. He went and watched her wrestle. And within a few short weeks, something was beginning to develop. Pretty soon, he was stalking her Instagram. But what sealed the deal was when over spring break, she got her tonsils taken out. And he sent her a text to make sure that she was okay. And the rest was history. They fell in love. And the memories kept building from there. Freshman homecoming, his dad's heart attack, watching him in the hospital and studying for finals. They ran track together. They both got summer jobs at Bananas, the fall production, sophomore year at school, weathering her parents' divorce, the state track finals in Denver, his adorable promposal, both of them taking classes at WCCC their senior year, and then applying to a variety of colleges around the state. They did their freshman year long distance, but they realized they missed each other too much. When he finally proposed, it was picture perfect. He took her on a hike on the monument. He had packed a picnic and they sat at the edge overlooking the whole valley as the sun was setting. They talked about their future together. He told her all the things that he loved about her, her personality, her smile, her love for Jesus. And then he got down on one knee and he asked her to marry him. She said, yes. 
The wedding planning was in full swing. They agreed the engagement would not be too long. And they planned on a summer wedding in the mountains in a field filled with wildflowers with a lake in the background. The guests would sit on white folding chairs and the groom and his grandpa would build an arch together out of wild branches, something she saw on Pinterest, obviously. And the reception would be a catered feast around the lake. They were so excited. And when the day finally came, it was glorious, exactly as they both had imagined. That's why the groom was so stunned when she never returned. Sometimes she'd take his calls. Sometimes she'd answer his texts. Every once in a while, someone would say they'd seen her around town, but she'd quickly disappear. He wrote her these passionate letters, pouring his heart out to her. And sometimes she'd get them and read them. And other times they'd be returned to sender unopened. When he finally got her face to face several months later at a Starbucks, he asked her, what happened? Why did you leave me? Her response was shocking. You asked me to marry you. I did that. What more do you want? I I want a relationship. I want life together. He said, I didn't just want a wedding. Now, I tell this parable this morning because many believers live like this young woman in the story. They make a promise to God. They say that they're going to merge their life together with God's life and that they will be following him for the rest of their life. But in the end, their actions speak more like the girl in the parable. This thing that we have with God, it isn't a wedding, It's a marriage. It's not about having a great experience at church on Christmas or Easter. It's it's, it's about the day in, day out connection with God. It's a marriage relationship between us and God in it for the long haul for the rest of our lives until death do us part. It's a relationship that, that transforms every other relationship that we have. It's a commitment that trumps any other commitment that we'll someday make. It's a grow old together, fall more in love every day, forsake others and choose fresh and anew every day. Everyone wants to spend eternity with God in heaven, but there are so few people that know how to spend time with God on earth now. And walking out our faith, it isn't a Disneyland vacation kind of moment. It's the everyday moments. It's finding joy in those moments and embracing them. It's praying while you cook dinner for your family kind of moment. Or worship music while you fold the laundry kind of moment. Or podcasts on the way to work to learn learn more about the God that you're in this relationship with. It's the day in, day out connections with God that make the relationship with him actually work. From time to time, I encounter a starry-eyed teenager in love. And I, I think when I listen to them, I get the impression that their idea of marriage is long romantic walks on the beach and staring lovingly into one another's eyes over an unrushed dinner, magical moments of perfection and happily ever afters. And, and part of me just wants to hug their sweet little selves and be like, 
Good luck with that. Because that's really not what marriage is actually about. Yes, there's the highs, there's those moments of bliss, but there's also the nitty gritty day in, day out, figuring out how to do life with another person and make it work. Constantly partnering together and figuring out how to communicate. It's the middle of the night, three in the morning, and our child has puked. That's marriage. You strip the bed, I'll bathe the toddler. It's that we don't have time for a long romantic dinner, so I hit the Taco Bell drive-thru, and this cheesy, beefy, crunchy thing is supposed to be food. Eat it, because you got to get to the other side of the valley to pick up the kids. Well, I go, right? That's, it's this 15-year-old child we made together. <sighs> Rolled her eyes at me again today. This is what marriage is about. It's, it's, it's the hard stuff, the nitty gritty of life. And our relationship with God is the same. It's both sides of the marriage. It's the hard and the easy. It's the warm, fuzzy feelings and the nitty gritty of doing life together. Sometimes our relationship with God is about the goosebumps. It's the Christmas Eve service and they're playing our song and we love that worship song and we can feel God in his presence so strongly in the room. And other times it's us laying as a puddle of a human being crying and sensing God's presence right there with us. Sometimes it's us praying and feeling like God heard our prayer and he answered our prayer exactly how we envisioned it. But other times it's the disaster that we're walking through just asking God, give me wisdom to make it through this day. It's the everyday communication and connection and relationship where not one part of our life doesn't overlap with God. Imagine it this way. God the Father was in heaven and he was so desperate for a relationship with us. And yet he knew that we were separated from him by our sin, by our flaws, by our mistakes. And God was so serious about establishing this relationship with us that there's literally nothing he wouldn't do. In fact, he stated his mission, Jesus' own words in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says he came to seek and save those who were lost. The Bible, most famous verse in the whole thing, John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is on this mission to pursue our hearts to captivate our hearts. And so he's seated at the right hand of the father in heaven, clothed in royal robes of divinity, but instead he humbles himself. He sets down and aside that, that divinity and he's born as a human being for the sheer purpose of learning what it means to be human, to learn our language, to speak the language of frailty and flaw and struggle and temptation so that he could demonstrate to us that he understands the human condition. For only by becoming one of us could he provide salvation to all of us through, his, through relationship with him. When I teach young people what prayer is, I tell them it's the fancy church word for talking with God. That's all prayer really means. And the Bible sets the standard of what our prayer life should actually look like. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, never stop praying. Um, 
How do you continuously pray? I mean, really? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to yell at my kids and it will really break up the mood with God if I turn and yell at them in the middle of my prayer. And it also will really affect my appropriate reprimand of my child if I'm also simultaneously praying. So how do we pray continually? How do we constantly keep on praying? If we're gonna get stronger in communication with God, I think we need to bust some myths about what prayer might actually look like. And I wanna take a look at four specific myths this morning. And the first one is that prayer is a honeydew list. That prayer is a honeydew list. That when we just go to God, we just throw out all of our needs like a holiday wish list slash chore list for our heavenly father. And while the Bible does say we can tell God what we need and we can thank him for what he's already done, we can bring him our needs. It's a little short-sighted to just communicate with with this God that we're in this relationship with just with a to-do list. But many of our prayers, if we're really honest, they sound like this. Dear Jesus, I need a new car and a brand new iPhone 13. And if you could hook me up with some of those AirPods the teenagers are wearing, those white things in their ears, that would be super cool. Those things are fly, I hear. And also, Lord, if you could help the Broncos win, if that's even possible, that you could bless us with a win. And if you have time after that, world peace, amen. Right, Our prayers, if we're not careful, can turn into this holiday wish list, honeydew chore list for God of of us just asking for these things. And while it's okay to ask, there also needs to be something more to it. I mean, imagine a friendship or a marriage relationship where all that was communicated was to-do lists and chores. Imagine getting together with coffee with a friend and every time you approached her, she just listed out her holiday desires of things you could potentially buy her. I mean, the relationship would feel shallow and empty and lacking. And so if we want to get stronger in communication with God, we have to move past the honeydew list and into a position where we're sharing our heart with God in prayer. We're sharing our emotions. We're telling God what we need, but we're also explaining why and the hurt and the angst and the thoughts behind the whole thing. Like, you know, the actual communication like we do in all of our relationships. So our prayer can be like, Lord, I need help with my daughter. This child you gave me is killing me. She won't listen and she will not do her homework. You can tattle in your prayers. It's hard and I'm tired. You share your emotion in the prayer. You say, God, Is it appropriate for my child to drop out of school in the seventh grade? Because I don't know if I'm going to make it through middle school again. Like you, you, you put it all in there and you lay it all out for God. Your thoughts and feelings and your emotions as you tell him what you need. All of these have to be intermingled into your requests for help. So the first myth to bust today is the honey-do list prayer. And the second myth to bust is the one-sided prayer. Prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. It's not just me talking the entire time to God, but it's me allowing God to respond. We all know how to avoid that person 
The person that only talks and never listens. Like you might see him coming at you in the grocery store, an acquaintance from somewhere. And you know, if you make eye contact, they're going to talk about themselves for the next 20 minutes. And you don't want to do that. They talk and they talk and they talk. And that reminds them of something else about themselves that they need to tell you. That reminds them of something else about themselves that they need to let you know. And that reminds them of something else that happened 50 years ago that they need to tell you about themselves. And you just are hoping they'll take a breath so you can get a word in edgewise to back yourself out. But if we're not careful, our prayer life with God can sometimes turn into something very similar, where it's just us talking the entire time. But God wants to talk too. God has things to say, ways to respond to our heart and our thoughts and our needs. And we need to make sure that when we're praying, that there's a rhythm to it of us talking, but then also listening. Us talking, but us also leaving pause and space for God to speak back to us. Now, some people might say, how does that work? Because they they might not be familiar with how God speaks in this generation. And the answer to that question could be an entire another sermon. In fact, we have multiple books and resources available in the church bookstore just to answer the question, how does God speak in our generation today? But really quickly, I, I want to share four ways that God speaks with us. And the first is he speaks to us through the Bible. As we open up, that's from our parable earlier this morning. We talked about how the young man wrote love letters to his runaway bride to basically say like, this is how I'm feeling. God did the same thing. The Bible is literally his love letters to us. It's his heart, it's his feelings, it's instructions, it's ideas, stories, real life, miracles, things to encourage us. Everything we need to know from the heart of God is found in the pages of the scriptures. And so if we want to hear God's voice, we open up our Bible when we pray. We have our Bible on our lap and and we're reading verses of the Bible as we're talking to God. We're allowing him to speak back to us. Say we're praying for wisdom. So we read Proverbs, the wisdom book, right? And we're reading a little bit and we're talking to God about what we need and we're listening to what he's saying to us through the pages of his scripture. So the first way God talks is through the Bible. The second is through um, Bible teachers and pastors. So when, when we get up here and we bring a sermon, we're not just guessing or making up what to talk about. We actually specifically pray and seek God and ask him, God, what do you want to say to your church family this morning? What passage of scripture, what topic, what series should be in? What is on your heart to communicate? And so when you listen to a good Bible teacher, you should hopefully be hearing God's thoughts And all of his truths coming to you, tailor-made for the people in this room. And so it can be really powerful to listen to the sermon or listen to it again or to find another preacher that you want to listen to on your commute to work to hear good Bible teaching so that you can be hearing God speak to you through what's going on. A third way that God speaks is through impressions or discernments. Some people might call them downloads. And God speaks to us inside. So let me break that down for you a little bit because this is kind of the first way that might be confusing. Um, when I'm speaking to you, you hear me with your ears and there's medical people in who could explain what happens, but like some kind of sound wave goes into your ear canal, does a bunch of stuff. Eventually your brain understands it, right? And you've heard what I've said. 
But when God speaks, it has nothing to do with our ears. I actually don't know anyone personally who's heard the audible, out loud voice of God with their ears. I, I don't know of anyone. There are some people in the Bible, but that's not really how he talks now. How he talks is what we call this impression or this discernment. And this is how I explain it. Imagine you pull up to a stop sign or a stoplight and right next to your vehicle is a teenager that has spent every cent they have on the planet to add the best possible subwoofer to their little sports car, okay? And so they come up next to you and they're bumping, okay? It's going, right? What do you, do you hear the music? you feel the music, right? And so as soon as they pull up next to you, you start to feel the bass in their subwoofer and all of their money that they wasted on this thing. And your whole car is shaking and you're sensing that bass, not with your ears, but in your innermost being. You feel the bass before you really hear the bass. It's kind of what makes the bass cool, right? So you start to feel the bass. Similarly, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that, that he speaks to us in our innermost being, wells up. In John 4, he talks about how the Holy Spirit wells up from within us, from our innermost being. And that welling up is the Holy Spirit speaking. And so a lot of times when we're waiting for God to speak, we shouldn't be listening with our ears, but we're quieting our spirit. And we're starting to feel and sense what we think God is saying. And many times we'll get an impression or a discernment and we'll start to sense what God is saying. And it kind of comes up from within and it comes to us and it hits our heart. Our heart recognizes it. And last of all, our brain understands it. It didn't, it didn't begin in our brain like all other things we hear. It began, began in our innermost being where the Holy Spirit dwells. And that's, that's something that each one of us as Christ followers can learn to hear or sense from within is the Holy Spirit speaking. And that's a very specific thing that you can learn to do. There's books about it in the bookstore and it's something you should press into. But God speaks to us in that way. And the fourth way that I'm gonna talk about today is pain. All right, God does speak to us through pain. A lot of times if he cannot get our attention through the Bible or Bible teachers, or he's been trying to speak to us, but we're not hearing it well up from the Holy Spirit within us, then a lot of times the pain that we'll encounter in life, God will teach us a life lesson. Now he doesn't cause that pain. He doesn't say, oh good, I'm gonna inflict this pain just to get there. He just redeems that situation we're in and he begins to speak to us through what's going on in our life. Like I said, there's a whole sermon that could just be taught unpacking those ideas. But when we're praying, we should make it a dialogue. We should make it so we talk and then we wait and listen. So there's a rhythm of speaking and listening, just like in any human communication, we're waiting for God to whisper. And so for you, maybe getting stronger in communication with God looks like you make a deliberate choice to turn down the radio and create some silence in your life to listen for God to speak. Or maybe it's putting down the phone uh, or at least turning off the social media app and opening a Bible app and reading the scripture while you're talking to God to listen to what he has to say through the sacred text. But the second prayer myth that we wanna smash today is this idea of one-sided prayer. The third myth I wanna highlight is, is the idea of memorized prayer. Now, when I grew up in church, I grew up in a church where that's all you did. If you wanted to talk to God, you needed to recite something very specific that was probably written at least a thousand years ago. It was considered sacred. You would memorize it and you would recite it word for word um, as many times as possible. So there are certain prayers that as a kid growing up, I prayed 
thousands of times the identical exact same prayer. And when I first came to know Christ as a 15-year-old in high school, I realized that Jesus had changed my life. I said the sinner's prayer, um, repeated it after the pastor. I thought we were doing the same thing here, that I needed to memorize this prayer. I started sharing Jesus and what he'd done in my life with some friends around me. And one of my friends wanted to accept Jesus and I realized I did not have the prayer memorized. So I called the youth pastor that we were learning from and I was like, hey Brock, um, what's that one prayer where you say it for people to get saved and go to heaven and stuff? And so I got out my notebook while I'm on the phone and I'm trying to write down as he's talking. And I'm like, slow down, slow down. I can't write that fast. And Brock realized I was trying to memorize an exact certain prayer. And he asked me, he said, hey, uh, do you think it's like magic? Like a, like a specific spell you're casting or something? And I was like, yeah, kind of, I'm not really sure. And so in those moments, I learned that there's not a memorized thing to say to magically get God to do what we want, but instead it's a prayer from the heart. And yeah, it matters what you say in your prayer, but not to the point of memorizing. Jesus addressed this specific concern in Matthew chapter six, verse seven. He said, when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And that's exactly what I thought. I thought the more times I repeated, then the more likely God would be to answer my prayer. But um, at the same time, there's not a specific thing to memorize. You can find models of prayer throughout the Bible. About 10, 15 years ago, it was really popular in, in churches like ours to talk about the prayer of Jabez. How many of you remember the prayer of Jabez, right? There were like posters and you'd pray the specific things in the prayer of Jabez. And that was a cool trend. And it got people praying some specific, maybe different things. But is the prayer of Jabez the only way to pray? Of course not. It's a good idea, but it shouldn't be 100% of our communication with God. The most famous prayer that people memorize, even in our generation and all different church backgrounds is called the Lord's Prayer, right? And that's actually found in scripture just a few verses later after Jesus says, don't use vain repetition. The disciples say, well, how should we pray? And Jesus throws out this prayer that people call the Lord's Prayer today, also found in Matthew chapter six. So I'm gonna... There's all different translations or versions of it because it's not originally written in English. It's written in Greek. And so it's translated into English and a more modern translation that's just kind of come out is called the Passion Translation. So I want to read this famous prayer in the Passion Translation to kind of put a new uh, twist on it. Matthew chapter six, verse 13, it says, Jesus is talking. He says, pray like this. Our beloved father dwelling in heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause every, your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just like it is in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all that we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory. Amen. So that's a beautiful prayer. Is that the only way to pray? Of course not. 
but it is cool. Think of it this way. Imagine that you're in a relationship, right? Guys, and you want to impress your wife or the woman that you're wooing. Okay. You could say beautiful things from your own heart and that's going to inspire her. She's going to want to hear that. But also if you want to up your game, you could memorize a poem, right? Like a, like a love poem from history. And if you throw that down, like this memorized poem for the girl, that is going to be impressive. She, she will be inspired at some level, but you cannot talk to her only by reciting other men's poetry. That would not be adequate. Like you need both. 90% your own words, 10% sprinkle in some poetry, right? And so in your prayer life with God, same thing. You can use a prayer of Jabez, the Lord's prayer, and you can use memorized prayers, but also put your own heart into it and your own flavor into what's what you're, what you're actually praying. So the last myth that I want to bust this morning is the idea of the overwhelmingly long prayer. Now, sometimes when we think about prayer, we think, I don't have time for that. You hear about people going, I prayed and I sought the Lord for 30 minutes or two hours, or we had an all night prayer meeting. And that is super cool. Props to you. You probably have no kids. Um, But that is awesome. And the more time you have with prayer, yes, you're going to feel a deeper, more powerful connection. And I encourage that as much as possible. But that's not the only way to pray. It reminds me of a friendship I had. There was this, uh, my, one of my roommates in Bible college, her name was Jolene, and I love Jolene. We are like kindred spirits. And when we first graduated, both of us were single. We had no kids. We worked in ministry full-time. We would call each other every Friday, pretty much, and we would talk on the phone for like, two hours. And it was awesome. We would share ideas and thoughts and things that had happened. And we would strategize and like fix problems in the universe, like that as we saw them. And it was a beautiful relationship, but the season changed. She got married. I got married. We both have kids. And now I don't have two hours to talk on the phone ever. So my friendship with Jolene just sort of drifted. And it occurred to me a few months back, like, why don't I just text her? Like, it doesn't have to be two hours. I still want connection with this person. I could just shoot her a simple text. Hey, Joe, hope you're doing good. Praying for you, Matt and the girls. Miss you. What is that, 30 seconds? So that same principle can be applied to prayer. Yes, is it awesome, better somehow? Yes, to pray for long periods of time, but connection matters. And just shooting up a little prayer that's like a quick text message style to God and say, God, I need you as you're walking into this meeting. God, give me wisdom. God, give me favor as I talk to my boss. Lord, as you drop your teenager off at the rec center, please let them make good choices tonight. Whatever it is, you're just shooting up these one line cries from your heart to God. I love you, Jesus. Something is better than nothing when it comes to communication and texting. So text God a quick little prayer instead of waiting for this perfect, miraculous time where you're gonna suddenly have hours to learn how to pray. Just start with what you have in your hand right now. So I believe that God wants each one of us to get stronger in our communication with him. And so before we close to this morning, I would love to have everyone bow their head and close your eyes. And I want you to think of one practical step that you can personally take this week to get stronger in communication with God. Maybe your practical step is to download a bunch of podcasts of good Bible sermons onto your phone so you can listen on your commute to work. Or maybe your practical step is is to delete social media for a month or so and, and instead use the Bible app and get some time in God's word. Maybe your practical step is to pray by talking less and having more 
more pause and more space in your prayers. But find one thing that I shared with you this morning that you're like, yeah, if I did this, I would be stronger in communication with God. Just kind of grab hold of that one idea. God, we come before you because we do want a relationship with you. We don't just want the wedding. We want the marriage. We want the nitty gritty. We want to do life with you day in, day out. And God, for those moments where we struggle to stay connected, God, help us to remember the commitment we're making this morning of the one action step we can take to get closer to you. And when we struggle with it, help us to persevere and stay focused on growing our communication with you. God, we just ask that this week we would learn more of your heart and we would share more of our heart with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you, church family, for being here or for joining us online. We'll see you guys very soon. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do so right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you you can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.